Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. If you're taking note, you can jot this title down. The title of my message tonight is, What a Beautiful Mess I'm In. What a beautiful mess. You go, Pastor, seriously? I thought that was a song. It is a song, but the title jumped out to me in such an amazing way. And if you were to read our text tonight, if you were to read Genesis 16, say, Pastor, I'm going to make sure I get ahead of you, you might wonder, what in the world are you talking about? What, What a beautiful mess I'm in. Well, before I ask that, before I answer that question through our text, allow me, if you will, to ask you a question. You go, what's that, Pastor? Have you ever been in a mess? Or, or let me ask it this way. Have you ever made a mess in or of your life? You're like, Pastor, that's like, seriously, dudes. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's what it is. But, but yet all the while, while you're in a mess, you felt the presence of the Lord Jesus with you. You're like, yeah. When I thought of this title, I thought, those two words are contradictory, aren't they? Beautiful and mess. It's like, yeah, they, they're really opposites. They're, they contradicted. Like, how can something be so messy and still be beautiful? Right? That's, that's what's going through your mind right now. Well, I would think about it like this. If we were in the world, guys, the world really can't do that, you know? But, but although our God is always with us, I think there are times when we're in a huge mess and it's not beautiful at all. It's ugly. It stinks. It's not good. I'm in a mess. I want out. And, and you don't feel God's presence. That's, that's what the world feels a lot of the time. And then there are times, guys, when God is with us. And yet, we still find ourselves in a mess. How so? We simply made bad choices. You know what I'm talking about? You guys tracking with me? You go, man, I know God is with me, but I can't believe I did that. You go, well, like what? Well, let me give you an example. Like traffic tickets you received for constantly busting through the red light. Right? That's you. That's you. I can't believe I've got all of these tickets. Well, stop going through the red light. Or when your tummy hurts after eating a pint of ice cream and two bowls of tater tots for dinner. Right? You're like, mmm, that sounds good. Calm down, everybody. Breathe. But what happens is you'll get a you'll get a bellyache, right? You're like, man, my stomach hurts. Why? I had ice cream and tater tots. That is <laughs> that's a mess. That's a mess. But and, and then even for some, guys, think about it, even for some, it's that moody demeanor and poor health we experience following months and months of partying. I know you guys have never been there. But that's like a bad choice. And then now listen, listen. There are examples of mess that just are simply out of your control. You've got those that you make a choice, zoom through the red light, or oh, I can't believe I ate all this. But then there are times that are things that are out of control, and you go like what? Well, like when the family dog has an accident in the middle of the living room during your party. That's something you go, right? It's never happened to y'all. Or... Your child who flips out in the middle of the store because that annoying pop song is blaring too loudly over the speakers. You can't control that. 
or a tree that falls into your fence during heavy rainstorm. The landscaping crew who kicks up a rock while moving and breaks your car's back window. These are things that we can't control. It's a mess. Or the boyfriend or girlfriend who breaks up with you and then gives you the silent treatment. Or even on a more serious note, when your grandparent gets cancer. Or a sudden death of a friend. But what if you find that you knew God and He was with you? He had given you promises that God would never leave you nor forsake you, and yet you still, help me church, you still created the mess. Could you call it beautiful? See, as we come to our text, guys, as we come to our text tonight, if you look at it carefully, the underlying thread throughout the text is that even though Abram and Sarai will mess up big time, can I get a witness? They, they'll run ahead of God. The beautiful part, now listen to me, is that God is still with them. God has never left them. What a beautiful mess I'm in simply means no matter how I ended up here, God is still with me. He's never left me. He loves me, and he has a plan for my life. And here's what you need to jot down. That's beautiful. As a matter of fact, the promise to you is found here in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. It says, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Your attention, please. I understand that's for Israel. I understand in context he's talking about Israel, but I'm going to claim that promise for me. Why? Because over in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, it says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Can I get an amen? That's so cool. That God's not going to leave us nor forsake, no matter what happens, no matter when I trip up, no matter what I do, when I create a mess or when I find myself in a mess, my God says, I'm still going to be with you. When your kid goes crazy, when, he, when, when he, he's out of control, when she's left the house in a, in a rage or an uproar, God says, I'm still with you. It's that mess. It's that mess that we're going, okay, okay, Ben, what, 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 where are we going with this? What's well, beautiful. It's beautiful. Why? Because Deuteronomy tells me something I need to hold on to. Why? In this world, I need to be strong and have good courage. I need to be of good courage. I don't want to be afraid. Why? Because the Lord your God, he is the one that goes with you. Yeah, take that to the bank. Tomorrow when you go to work and you go to school, you need to know in your heart of hearts that God is going with you and he's going before you. In Hebrews, he tells us this. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Guys, let your behavior, quit coveting those things. He says, be content with what you have. And we get up tomorrow morning, go, thank you, Lord, for what I have. Our problem is we're always looking over our back fence. I want what they have. I want what, oh, look at that. That's a nice car. Oh, if only I had that 75-inch TV in my house. Oh, that would be awesome. Be content with what you have. He says, that's how it should be. Why? Because he says, because God's never going to leave you nor forsake you. Now, what we need to do, guys, let's go back just a little bit last week. Remember where we left off. We talked about God answering our panic with a promise. 
He answers our fear with faith. That's what we learned last week. And if you recall, Abram had just come back from an unprecedented victory over the four kings of the east. Unbelievable. Abram comes back. He rescues his his nephew Lot. A beautiful picture of the gospel. God rescuing us. How many of us need rescue tonight? How many of need, we needed rescue? Absolutely, that's us. And there are times when God reached down in the miry pit and he pulled me out and he put me on the rock and he says, man, I saved you. But there are a lot of times just in life I need rescuing. Just this week, anybody with me? I need rescue, Lord. And he does that and I'm thinking, man, what a beautiful picture of the gospel. And he rescues and he brings people all the way. And I bet Abraham's thought process was this. I bet he thought, man, he might have been super, super fearful. Why? He just routed these kings. He comes back. He's like, oh, man, they're going to retaliate. They're getting their forces together. They're coming down. I mean, think about this. He's going to have to be looking over his shoulder all the time. Wait, I thought I heard something in the bushes. You know, it's an ambush. What's going on? And so, again, think about it. That's what's going on. And, 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 I mean, and, and it's all like, oh. And we tell you, what have I done? And I bet he looked at his wife and his kids and he thought, wow, I know I needed to rescue Lot, but what's going to happen now? What's going to happen now? And God responds in a beautiful way. Why? Remember, jot this down. God, what does he do, guys? He promises, right? He, he, what's the key? He answers our panic with a promise. Why? Because he says, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. He answers our fear with faith. Abraham, I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you. And we need to read what Abraham, right? What's next on Abraham's heart, right? Because Abraham says, and Abraham said, verse 2 of chapter 15, he says, Lord God, what will you give me seeing as I go childless in the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abraham said, look, You've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Everybody with me? What did he say? What did he tell Abraham? One from your own body. That was the promise. In your minds, go back to Genesis chapter 12. That was the promise God gave him in the first place. He says, listen, I'm going to make you a great nation. Abraham, it's going to be great. Chapter 15, Abraham, you're having a son from your own body. Are you ready with me? What did he just say? From your own body. Why is that important? Why is that important? Now, listen, for the sake of our study, I want you to highlight or underlight verse 4. Just make a mark there. Just in case we missed it, let me read it in another translation. You go, why? He says this, then he heard the Lord speaking to him again. This slave, Eleazar, will not inherit your property. Your own son will be your heir. Everybody got that in verse 4 of chapter 15? You're like, Ben, yes, yes. Now remember, guys, this is a teaching fellowship. So you want to write down, you want to highlight, you want to mark up your Bible. I'll tell you why. Because when you go back over it, you're going to make yourself notes to go, oh, I see what this is. And the Holy Spirit puts it all together. You go, well, why do you have us highlight that? Pay close attention. The word of God declared to Abram that your own son will be your heir. Can I get an amen? Just so you know, you're paying attention. You go, amen, Ben, I'm with you. 
Here's my thought. Did it say anything about Sarai being the one who would bring in this child? Then you go, ah, no, Pastor, I didn't, I didn't say it. I don't, I don't think it does. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to see the humanity of Sarai, otherwise known as Sarah. You go, what do you mean? What if she was thinking the same thing? Right? Because she's human and she thinks like us. God comes to Abraham. Abraham, yes, sir. The child, the child, the heir, the promise is going to come from your body. Well, if we go tell our wives that, they might hear something different. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Have you ever told your wife something and she hears something completely different? No? None of you? Yeah, of course. And they go, well, you said this, this, and this. You're going, no, I never said that. That's what they heard. Same thing with you guys, right? When you listen, then (laughs) when you eventually listen, you catch what she's saying. But the point is, is think about it, right? Think about it. So I might be thinking the same thing. Now, now listen to me. Listen, make a side note somewhere. It's 13 years later in Genesis chapter 17, verses 18 and 19, it says, Then Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live forever before you. And God said, No, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. And you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. Do you guys see what I'm saying? Okay, that's, that hasn't happened, so I want you to put your thinking caps on as Sarah might be going, what, what, is, is it me? Is it, huh, <laughs> could, it, could it be me? We know, according to chapter 17, that Sarah was the mother of the promised child, not anyone else. But in today's text, we see Sarah acting a lot like we do at times, right? You go like, well, you're asking like, how? What does she do? We're going to see, guys, that she's going to run ahead of God. We're going to run ahead of God. How many of you in your life ever felt like God was taking his sweet time so slow? You know, it's like, God, right? It's just like that, that Hunts. I mean, for those of you back in the day, Heinz Ketchup, 70s, they used to, you know, Carly Simon would sing a song, and the song was Anticipation, and it, the ketchup, years ago, the young folks are going, I never saw that commercial. Okay, look it up in YouTube, okay? It'll blow your mind. Because we live in such a fast-paced world, we don't want the ketchup to go slow anymore. We don't care how thick it is. Just put the ketchup. Anyway, I digress. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's go back. But what happens, guys, is that, think about it. She's supposed to be the mother, but she gets ahead of God. Felt like God is being too slow. Is that us? Times? God, why won't you do something? God, I don't understand. Number two. She doubts God's promise. She doubts God's promise. Have we ever done that? Number three, she had trouble believing God. She had trouble believing God. Now, let me ask you a question. Does does that sound like us or what? That's us. Oh, pastor, I'm a born-again follower of Jesus. But that, you're human, and I think a lot of times we feel like God is not moving at our pace. We feel like that we doubt sometimes of the promises of God. God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, yet so many people feel so alone, they don't know what to do. We talked about this. Do you guys remember? Loneliness makes us make bad choices. Loneliness makes us do things we probably never thought of. And that's what we see. 
And we see that she also has trouble believing God. And there are a lot of times when we go, listen to me. Now, jot this down because it's a lot of us. God, I know you can do it. Can I get an amen? I don't know why you, you I'm, I'm not sure you would do it for me. I'm not sure you would do it for me. Sister, I've been asking God for a long time. I, mean, we just, I just don't hear that. I just don't see it. I don't know why. And we believe the promises of God. We, we, we believe, I mean, we have trouble believing God. We have trouble believing God. So what I want to do tonight, guys, is let's learn. Let's learn from Abraham. Let's learn from Sarai. And that's where we pick up our story tonight, right? What a beautiful mess I'm in. Look at verse 1 of chapter 16. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. If you go to Israel, it's actually Hagar. But for the sake of our study, you can just say Hagar, okay? Now, here lies the problem. You go, Ben, what's the problem? God promised Abraham that he would be the father of many nations and many peoples. Here's the problem. Bum, bum, bum. Sarah doesn't have any children. Abraham doesn't have any children. And they're old. They're old. And so again, now we go, man, that's the possible. So, so here's the scenario. Let me see if I can paint this picture to you guys. Two possible scenarios could happen right now as what? As Sarah says, I'm Abraham's wife. I have no children. He's supposed to be the father of many nations. What could happen? Number one, Sarai could trust what God said and wait patiently for God to work. That's one scenario. Or she could take matters into her own hands and help God out. Which one are you? Which one are you? Are you the, okay, God, you promised I'm just going to stay still. I'll tell you I am. Listen, listen, God, I know you're busy. You got a lot going on, Middle East stuff happening. (laughs) I'll help you out. Uh, Let me just, Lord, do you see? Do you see what I see? Right? Do you see this going on? Listen, I could fix this real easy. If you'll just do this, this, and this, boom, let's go. You guys with me? Anybody? You're looking like you're not even here. Just give me some, give me some, amen, brother. Preach it. So anyways, so unless you're sitting there convicted going, yeah, that's me too. So what happens? What happens? Well, here's what I want you to do. Just for your own notes, somewhere in your Bible, let me give you the meaning of each name, okay? Abram, his name means exalted father. It's going to change later to Abraham, but exalted father, how could you be an exalted father if you have no kids? I mean, think about it. His daddy said, oh, look at this. I'm going to name him exalted father, which is cool when you're a baby, which is cool when you're a kid, when it's cool when you're a teenager. But when you're in your 30s and you haven't had any kids, guess what? Oh, man. Oh, man. When you're in your 80s and you have no kids, I think God messed up. He should have named me one who has no kids. I don't know. That's what Abram means. Sarai, believe it or not, her name means contentious. Sarai means contentious. Why you women look at me that way? Later on, God's going to change it to Sarah, which means princess. But right now, you know what contentious means? She's always quarreling with her husband. Abraham? Your beard is too long. Abraham? I mean, whatever it might be, right? She's always, that's what it means. Now, I know none of you are contentious here. You're very compliant. As the women laugh. 
that's what her name means. But I like that she's going to change it. God's going to change it to princess. Hagar, Hagar. Her name means flight. Okay? Her name is flight. Guess what? Where she's from? It says she's an, she's an Egyptian slave. Egyptian slave. Right? You guys jot this down. Egypt has always been a type of the world. Egypt is all, whenever you look at scripture, Egypt is a type of the world. So she means flight. It's funny that, that, that she's going to eventually boogie, but, but it, she's a type of the world. So that's what we go. So, so pick it up in verse two. So Sarai said to Abram, now let's see if she lives up to her name. Okay, let's see. Look at that. What does her name mean? Help me out here. Good. So Sarai said to Abram, see now, the Lord has restrained me from having children. Please. Go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Here we go. You go, what happened? Think about what she just said. Here's what I want to point out. Do you guys see it? Do you see in verse 2, it should have jumped out at you. You go, what's that? She says, she goes to her husband and she says, I guess God doesn't want me to have kids. I mean, think about it, guys. Sarai blames God for her condition. I guess God doesn't want us to have kids. And it's almost, if you look into it, it's almost like she believes that God is holding out on her. Just like Satan claimed against Eve back in Genesis chapter 3. Do you guys remember? In Genesis chapter 3, let me just read it for the sake of our study. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any other beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the tree of the fruit which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat, nor shall you touch it lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Why? For God knows that in that day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil so the woman saw that the tree was good for food, was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit, she ate, and she also gave to her, her husband with her, and he ate. That was the whole key. Listen, listen, God's holding out on you. This is, this is the truth. This is, man, listen, well, God said don't touch it. Don't, God said don't even eat it. No, listen, God knows that if you eat it, you'll be like, God, he's holding out on you. Do you guys see that in Genesis? That's what, that's what Sarai's kind of thinking. She's thinking, Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. God doesn't want us to have kids. God doesn't want us to have kids. Do you ever feel like that at times in your life? Do you ever feel like God's not on my team? I think we do. I think we find ourselves in a mess and we go, I don't know where God is in all this. And, and I've got to show you, where does Sarai turn? In her time of crisis, this is so key in our lives. This is so applicational in our lives. Why? Well, she turns to Hagar, or Hagar, who is a type of the world. So in essence, guys, if we can be honest in church, that often sounds like a lot like we do. We often turn to the world in our time of crisis instead of the Lord. Note with me, guys, Sarai has a plan. She has a plan. She obviously thought about this. How so? Because he says, Abraham, yes, ma'am, 
Take Hagar, my maidservant, marry her, have kids so that I can have children through her. That's what she's saying. That's what she's saying. You guys with me? Now, we must understand a couple of things. The suggestion was in accord with the practice of the day as attested in legal codes and marriage contracts of the time. So what she said is, hey, listen, I know we're married, but go ahead and marry her because I want, I want to raise kids. That was okay. That was kind of what was happening. So you and I look at that and go, mm, that ain't going to fly in my house. That ain't going to fly, right? She didn't think anything was wrong with this, guys. I wonder, help me, men, help me. I wonder if Abraham thought, this is not a good idea. This is not a good idea. I love Sarai. She's beautiful. I don't want to have kids with anyone else. Nah, you know what he was thinking? Okay. You sure, sweetie? Come on, man, help me out here, right? That's what, she's, that's what he's thinking. Because the Bible says that Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. That, come on, think about it. Now, I want you to learn the lesson. I'm going to talk to the men for just a moment. Learn the lesson, men. You go, what's that? Here's the lesson number one. Always take time to listen to your wife. Take time to listen to her. God put her there to be a helpmate. Okay? A helpmate. You go, what does that mean? A helpmate means that she's there to help you and not to hinder you. She's there to help you. That's what God made you. That's what God created you. If you're married, that's your job. That's your role to come alongside and say, brother, you need help. We do need help. There's no doubt about it. Us men need help. But, but oftentimes, because of Genesis 3 and because of sin, the wife wants to assert the authority and be the ruler of the house. And let me just say this to you. Men cannot do that when they're being hindered and not helped. Women, we need to listen to our wives, absolutely. But wives, you need to be in prayer and you need to be seeking God's counsel and you need to know when to come up and say, here, I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you. Men, if you're married here today, you're standing before God to give an account for your family. If you plan to be married someday, you're going to stand before God to give an account for your family. And you better not do what, 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 what Adam did, right? The woman you gave me. Man, she bummed me out, Lord. She never did anything to help me. No, 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 no. That's the first thing. You ready? The second thing is, jot this down, men, seriously. Husbands need to be the spiritual leader of your family. Husbands need to be the spiritual leader. You go, how? You need to know the word of God. You need to, we need to take our calling seriously. We need to know God's word. I mean, that's, that's, that's exactly, you go, but pastor, I'm not, I'm not sure. Listen, listen, in this instance, you guys with me? Where Abraham follows the mess, he's not acting like the spiritual leader. See, God promised Abraham a child. He didn't say with Hagar or, or, or anyone other than Sarai. He's not acting like us because he doesn't remember or know or apply the word of God. Church, listen. Listen, men, here's what you need to do, especially you young boys as you grow up. Noah and, and three, and all of us, 
Anthony, we need to know God's word inside us. And it's not enough to just have knowledge of God's word. It's word that we need to apply every day. Because when our wife comes and says, I think we should do this and this, you can go back to the word of God and say, okay, let's pray about it. Here's what God's word, here's where I feel like he's leading me. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, your wife will come under that authority. Pastor, how do you know? It happened to me. It happened to me. I'll never forget, kids were little, had a great opportunity to move to Missouri. Okay, move to Missouri. My wife's already getting cold. I said, baby, I got a great opportunity, great job. Man, Tom wants to move. I want to move to Missouri. Let's go. She'd say, guess what? I'm going to bed. Oh, baby, don't you want to talk about it, sweetie? Huh, I'm going, okay. Why? She's scared. I wasn't praying about it. I wasn't seeking God. She didn't feel the safe covering that a spiritual leader should be. We moved anyway. When it was time to move back home, I prayed. And, and anywhere, I, I had prayed, and she knew I was praying. She knew I was seeking God. And when I told her, I said, listen, I'm just feeling this, this, and this. I can tell you the difference. She came under that authority. She came under, and she's like, I'm with you, whatever you want to do. What a difference. But when our wives don't feel safe, when our wives don't feel safe, that's what they're like. Oh. And, it's, and it's nothing against you. They just want to know that you've heard from God and that you've sought counsel. And this is what's best for the family. And that you're not going to move somewhere and leave them out there. It just, there you go. They need to feel that way. And again, that's, that's what Abraham needs to be. He needs to know the word of God. But here's what I love about it all, guys. Here's what I love about it all. God is with them even though he's in a mess. Even though that this mess is about to happen, God is still with him. And this is what I find beautiful. What a beautiful mess I'm in. Why? Because even in my most recent messes, I got to tell you, God still loves me and he's still with me. So what happens? Verse 3, then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband. Abraham to be his wife. After Abraham had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Now, let me just stop right there. I don't think this could have been easy for Sarai in the first place. Even though she consented, even though it was her idea, the fact remains that her husband is going to be with another woman. And I like to oftentimes just kind of feel the mood and smell the sound or smell the, the smells and hear the sounds. And I'd, I'd really like to say, what is Sarai, what is she feeling? And even though it was like her idea, she's probably going, oh, am I right, ladies? All right, you ain't pushing your, you ain't pushing your man into somebody else. Even if it's your idea, that's not going to fly, Right. But so she's feeling this because she's thinking this is what God should be doing. This is God. And so, and so again, I want you to think about this. And Abraham does what she says. Okay. Sarai's older. The Bible says that she's beautiful, though, very beautiful. But we obviously know probably that Hagar is younger. Might be a little bit more attractive. Guess what? He gets her pregnant. 
he gets her pregnant. I wonder if at this point, Sarai thought, my plan worked. See, I knew God. See, I wonder if she thought that. Guess what? I'm pregnant. Ah, See, I hear from God. I hear from God. But I want you to keep this in mind as we go forward. We don't know how long this took. We don't know if it took a few months. We don't know if it took six months. or We just know this. I mean, which could have been a problem in the beginning. Okay? What we do know is Abram can have kids. That's a bomb. Why? Because Sarai's probably feeling like she's the one with the problem now. You guys know what I'm talking about? I wonder, I wonder if Sarai was hoping that Abram was the one who couldn't have kids. You see, back in the day, they didn't have tests like, okay, well, what's going on? She's probably going, okay, listen, we haven't had, we haven't been able to have kids. Um, it's either you or me. I think it's you. Why don't you go over here? And I thought maybe secretly she's thinking, if he, if he can't have kids with, with Hagar, then we know you're the problem. And God's going to have to do something. Well, all of a sudden she's pregnant. She's like, oh, 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 it's not him. It must be, it must be me. Let me ask you a question. In your walks with God, okay, in your walks with God, have you ever felt like Sarai, oh, it must be me. Something's wrong with me. And then you start to think, what have I done in my life that God would be mad at me? That he wouldn't allow me to do this or be blessed here or have children. You see, that's how we think, guys. That's how we think. Well, I mean, I mean I'm just like, yeah, wow. I wonder if, if, if Sarai was hoping for a different outcome. Well, nonetheless, the Bible says that she's super angry. And Hagar's going to feel the brunt of her anger. Now, let me just give you a quick application on note, guys. Jot this down. Hagar right here is a type of the law in which Paul says gives birth to bondage. Okay, She's a type of the law. That's going to be important later on moving forward in the history of Israel. Let me give you the scripture reference. Galatians chapter 4, verse 24 says, These two women serve as an illustration of two covenants. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai, where they receive the law and are enslaved to them. So Hagar is going to be a type of the law. Okay, so now, again, what happens? Then Sarai said to Abram, verse 5, My wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord's, be, the Lord's judge between you and me. So Abram said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarai dealt with her harshly, she fled from her presence. See with the contention in there, guys? You see that a little bit? Why? Because again, what's happening, first and foremost, listen to me, Abraham is not acting like the spiritual leader. What's he wanting to do? He wants to stay out of it. He's like, hey, listen, do whatever you want to do. I'm out. I'm neutral. That's your deal. But, but think about it, guys. This isn't God. Why? Now we have a mess. We have a mess. And it's, she's saying, Abraham, it's all your fault. I'm suffering this abuse. I put my maid in bed with you. And the minute she knows she's pregnant, she treats me like I'm nothing. You decide, Abram. Your, my, your maid is your business. That's what Abram said. So what does it say? The Bible says that Sarai was abusive to Hagar. 
and Hagar ran away. Could you see this? This is a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess right here. It's a mess. So if you're wondering, Pastor, how did you come up with that title? It's found in the next few verses. There's a mess. Could, you, could we agree there's a mess going on right now? That's not what God said. God said, listen, this is how this, this mess. Now look at verse 7. Now the angel of the Lord. You guys see that? How many of you have a New King James Version Bible with you? How many of you realize it's capitalized? Angel. Angel is capitalized. What does that mean? Guys, angel is capitalized because it's the meaning it was a pre-incarnate Jesus. It's a theophany or known as a Christophany. Okay? Angel, if it was just an angel that was sent as a messenger, it would be a small A. This is a big A, so it means Jesus himself in a pre-incarnate form before he came in the flesh comes to who? To Hagar. Angel of the Lord found her. Where did he find her? He found her by the spring of the water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. Everybody see that? Where's Shur? Shur is on the road back to Egypt. She's going home. She's like, man, listen, I'm in a mess. I find out I'm supposed to be Abram's wife. I'm supposed to be pregnant. This is a mess. Agar's being ugly with her, so she's like, I'm out of here. And she's on her way home, back to Egypt. And that's where God finds her. You guys see that? Now, here's what I love about Jesus. You ready? He rescues us when we make a big mess or even when we didn't play a part in that mess. I love how he saves us even before we go back to the world. Even before we go back to the world. Many people today, listen to me, many of your friends, many of your relatives, many of your people are on the path to sure. But God is coming to get them. They're on their way back to the world. God's going to rescue them. God's going to rescue them. He's coming back. What does he do? Verse 8. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from? And what are you, where are you going? And she says, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. Do you guys see verse 8? Everybody see verse 8? You go, yeah. I want to make this quick point, okay? What does the Lord call Hagar? You guys see that? He calls her Sarah's maid. You with me? You go, why? Because the Lord calls her Sarah's maid because... The marriage to Abraham was not recognized in his eyes. It was not part of his will. He doesn't say, oh, Hagar, wife of Abraham. He goes, no, you're still Sarah's maid. I, I wasn't right. That wedding was not, that wasn't part of my will. It wasn't part of my will. And you guys, when you look at the Bible, look at names, look what they show, because they'll stand out and they'll speak to you in ways because you're going, oh, okay, why would you call him Jacob when his name has been changed to Israel? Oh, and you'll see the context. But right here, God is going, no, 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 no. Listen, listen, this was not part of my will. Now, I don't have time to get into it, but we all know the difference between God's perfect will, can I get an amen, and God's permissive will. Permissive, God means God permits it. But there's a difference. God's perfect will for your life. Now, the problem is, is we hear the word perfect and we think it's smooth sailing. But John the Baptist was in God's perfect will and he ended up being beheaded. So being in God's perfect will does not mean an easy road for you, but it's far better than being in God's permissive will because I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm not sure what's going to happen. 
So we see the difference. Let me ask you a question. People often say, well, God could have prevented the birth. God could have stopped a pregnancy. You ever hear that? God could have, God should have. Why did, even, why did Hagar even get pregnant? Everybody, anybody hear that? We, we hear that all the time. That's true. God could have, right? But listen to thee. I think the purest form of love comes from free will. His purest form of love for you comes from free will. Because here's a God whose perfect will is to love you and to die for you and to give you all of them. Listen to, listen to me. He bankrupted heaven so that you can be set free. And the purest form of love in return is not for him to be, for you to be a robot. And you say, you're going to love me, Gio. And I'm going to twist your arm. And the moment you start walking down, I'm going to, he says, no, you know what? You know what? I'm going to give Gio free will. Because when he loves me, that's pure. That's pure. And that's the period. And I think, yeah, God could have stopped this. But what he does, guys, is he allows us to live and he allows us to breathe. And even though there are consequences to our action, he still loves us through it. He still loves us through it. You see, here's the thing. So many people think God's mad at us. God's mad at you, sister. You shouldn't have done that. God's God's never mad at you. He breaks his heart that we go down a path that's going to hurt. But he never leaves you. God hurts when people we love go down a wrong path or find their way on the the path to sure, on their way back to the world. And, And you're going, oh, please don't go back. Please don't go back. Please don't go back. Please, 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 please. But he's not mad at you. He's going to rescue you. He's going to say, hey, no, 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 no. That's so important, guys. He still loves us. Well, the angel of the Lord, verse 9, said to her, Return to your mistress, Hagar, and submit yourself under her hand. Don't you think that would have been hard to do? Man, she's, she's tripping, man. She's ugly. She's being mean to me. Are you kidding me? I'm with child from her husband, was her idea, and she's being mean to me. I can't. But the Lord said, go back. Go back. Obedience. Everybody say obedience. How hard is obedience? It's very hard, is it not? How many of you would have said, mm Lord, I'm going home. I'm going home. Grandma and Grandpa have a house. We'll live in the back room. I'll have all my friends there. Got plenty of babysitters. I'm not going. The Lord says, no, 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 no. No, no, no. Return. Here's the promise. And the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael. And the Lord has heard your, because the Lord has heard your affliction. And he shall be a wild man, and his hand shall be against every man. Every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of his brethren. Okay, now listen, go back was hard enough to hear. 
Go back. Oh, okay, Lord. The angel of the Lord. Yes, yes, yes. Who's he talking to? He's talking to an Egyptian. We have to be so careful, guys, and we need to realize and we need to solidify this in our heart that God loves people. He loves people. What we do is we put them in classes. You're an Egyptian. You're a Hebrew. You're this. God loves people, and we need to love people because here's what we do. We put them in classes. Well, you're not the same color of skin as me, so, or you're not the same uh, socioeconomic, so God loves people. And whether God calls you to minister to the down and out, down at, at, at Grace Campus, or God calls you to the up, uppity up people with a lot of money, God still, they're still people and they need Jesus. And we have to be so careful. And we have to do, listen, if this church is going to follow what Jesus does, Jesus loves people. And he doesn't give up on them. And neither should we. Neither should we. That person you've been praying for for 20 years, keep praying. That person you're witnessing to, keep loving them. We've had testimony after testimony of people who are like, listen, man, I can get away from God. He kept hounding me. Finally, I said, okay, Jesus, I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm saved. And guess what happened? Listen, we've been praying and we've been crying out to God. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. But then he says, but you're going to have a son. His name is Ishmael. What does Ishmael mean? You could jot this down. It means when God hears. That's what his name means. When God hears. But he's going to be a wild man. Here's what we know. Here's what we know about Ishmael. He was the progenitor of the Arabs and traditionally enemies of the Jewish people. There's going to be a fight. There's going to be a fight. Verse 13, when she calls the name of the Lord who spoke to her, you are the God who sees. You are the God who sees. For he said, have I also here seen him who sees me? Therefore, the well was called Beer Laharoi. Observe it. It is between Kadesh and Bered. So Abram, so Hagar bore Abram a son. And Abram named his son, whom Hagar bore. What did he name him? Ishmael. Very good, right? Because that's what God said. Abraham, verse 16, was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abraham. Wow. 86 years old, he's got a son. I'm not sure if Abram's going to be playing soccer with Ishmael or anything. He's kind of old. I don't know, but nonetheless, he's old. He's old. You see, Abraham right now, guys, Abraham, he had a lapse in faith, did he not? Abraham, here's the promise. One going to come from your body. One going to come. It's good. This is the promise. And he had a lapse in faith. And he gets Hagar pregnant. And he finds himself in a mess. But the beauty of the mess that my God has never left him. And the problem is, is the enemy of your soul, listen to me, the enemy of your soul, when you find yourself in a mess, will say, God never loved you. He left you. God doesn't care about you. Look, you're in a mess. 
And God's going, no, I've been here the whole time. I'm not leaving you. I'm not leaving you. That's what he's saying, guys. It's a, what a beautiful mess I'm in. I don't want to be in this mess, but I'm so glad that God is with me. Guys, listen, the promises are still true. And as we close and the worship team comes back up, just because we're in a mess doesn't mean God takes away his promises. Our Jesus is beautiful, and he loves us very, very much. So tonight, as we come to the communion table, Lord, as we come to the communion table tonight, guys, let us partake with joy. Joy that Jesus loves us very much and that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. As we come to communion together, guys, in a minute, I'm just going to pray. But there's one thing that we need to remember as we come to communion. Because we've walked in a dirty world, some of that dirt has jumped on us. And we come into the house of God and we come in here and we're, okay. So the songs, songs begin to, to, to clear, clear our hearts and purify our hearts a little bit. And, okay, and we're worshiping the Lord. And, and now the teaching of the word, you've asked God to come in and just, just begin to speak to your heart. And he's spoken to you in ways that I could never have. But we're still dirty in some ways. Before we take communion, take a moment. Take a moment to just, just to look in your heart. God, do I am I am I bitter? Am I angry? Am I holding on to this? Am I holding on to that? And, and then confess that. Look within. Get right. What's the second thing we need to do? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to look back for just a moment. Look back and see the faithfulness of God in your life. See, when you found yourself in a mess, how God picked you up and he said, I love you. Look back at those things and say, oh my God, you've always been there for me. Teach those things to your children. Share those things. And last but not least, look forward. Look forward. God's about to do a new thing. God is saving our youth. God is, is going to be baptizing people in the Holy Spirit. God is going to be doing, there's going to be revival in our land. And I'm looking forward to that. And I'm ready. But the reality is this. The reality is this. 
Jesus said, before he died, I'm not going to take communion again until I take it with you in heaven. And so the ultimate goal, the reality is that, is that guys, as much as we know that there's going to be revival, as much as we know that God's going to use us, as much as we know, man, there's going to be great stuff, here's the thing. We should be homesick. We should be going, I'm ready to see my Jesus. I'm ready to see him. I'm ready to go home. Anytime you're ready for me, God, I'm ready for you. I'm taking this tonight here, Lord, but soon and very soon, I'm going to take it with you in heaven because that's the goal. That's the goal. Can you imagine the Bible studies in heaven? You're like, I don't think there's Bible studies in heaven. How cool just just being there and seeing and seeing. Father, we thank you for your word tonight, the truth in your word. We thank you, Lord, for Abram. We thank you for Sarai. We thank you, God, that you will get a hold of their hearts and you will change their name to Abraham and Sarah. And God, you will use Ishmael, but we look forward to the promise of Isaac. Tonight, God, as we come, I'm not clean. But you just say the word, God, and my heart will be pure. Lord, I I look in my heart and I see the things that I've done and the things that I failed to do. I see my mistakes. I see my sin. I see my iniquities. Lord, I see them all ever before you. And I ask you to forgive me. I can't do this life, Lord, by myself. I I need you to help me. Lord, tonight, fill us. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. We ask this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.